me what I'm supposed to do with it. So here's the great thing about James. James tells you what you're supposed to do with your faith. Makes it way easier on me to give you practical application at the end. So let's talk about it. Number one on your note sheets. Number one, be a doer. Be a doer. The first thing to being a doer, and perhaps the most important thing to being a doer, is listening. Not doing, listening. Show of hands, how many of you in here would say, yeah, I'm a pretty good listener? Oh, good. I was hoping that one or two husbands would put their hands up and their wives would go, no, no. (laughs) Husbands sitting there while she talks and watching the football game is not the same thing as listening. Let's make that clear. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is that we are horrible at listening. All of us are. We're bad at it. And it's the first thing you need to do in order to be a good doer. You listen. You need to know what the needs of people are. You need to know where they're at spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. You need to know who they are. And the only way you get there is by listening. Now, this does not just mean listen to the words they're saying. Listening also involves watching. Being attentive. I make it a point. Let me give you this uh, illustration. In the brush household, and I'm not just talking about mine and Maddie's home. I'm talking about with the brushes, we're allowed people. To a man or a woman, we're loud. It's great. And one of the things that my dad taught us, myself and my siblings, is when you're upset, you talk it out. Sometimes I've made the mistake of trying to talk it out too quickly And then you're just more angry than you were before. But the fact of the matter is that one thing that I was taught was you talk. You don't just harbor it in. You talk to the person about it. You work it out. Then even if you leave still at odds, you at least know where you stand. And you at least have done your best to try to make it right. Assuming you have done your best, which is a whole nother sermon. We're not going to go there today. My wife's household, on the other hand, they talk a lot. But they internalize more than we do, than my family does. It's not a bad thing. It's the way that they process things. And my wife is exactly like that. Maddie does not process by talking. I do everything by talking. So you can ask her, every single day, I would wager all of the money I have ever seen, which is like $4, that I ask her at least 10 times a day, hey, are you okay? Hey, are you all right? Do you need to talk about something? And almost every time she goes, I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, but you're quiet. When you're quiet, that means you're not fine. Something's wrong when you're quiet. But I ask her because I want to be attentive to where she is. Because if there's something I have done, something somebody else has done, something, a situation at work, even though I can't fix it, I want to be able to be there for her as her husband. And so I do my best. I'm not going to stand up here and be like, husbands, follow after me as I, in my year and a half of marriage, have figured out how to be the perfect husband. No. But I am doing my best to be attentive to her. So I watch what she's doing. And I listen to what she has to say. 
that's where listening starts. And here's the thing, if you are quick to listen and slow to respond, you're also gonna be slow to anger. One of the major problems with anger, not problems, one of the major things that gets you angry, and, and I would bet, maybe not all the money I've seen, but most of it, so like $3, that if you look back at your life, when you get angry, almost every time it is because of an unmet expectation. Unmet expectations are the number one cause of anger. And so if we're slow to anger, we're slow to speak, and we listen, our expectations shift. I'm no longer expecting Maddie to do something. I'm now expecting myself to do the right thing, to sit and to listen and therefore to help as best as I can. Now, sometimes, this is another hard lesson for me to learn. I'm a helper. She comes to me with a problem, and I'm like, okay, how can we fix this? Gentlemen, Something I have learned in the year and a half that I've been married. They oftentimes don't want any help. They just want to complain. And so you can ask her, when she starts to tell me about an issue, I stop her and I say, am I listening or am I fixing? Because if I'm not fixing, I need to know now because I've already begun the process of how to fix it in my brain. Take a note of that, gentlemen. But when you're slow and you listen, you no longer get nearly as angry because your expectations are different. Here's the other, we're spending a lot of time on listening, that's fine. The other thing about listening, if while somebody is talking, you are forming your rebuttal to them, you're not listening. If somebody is speaking and you are already thinking about how you're going to respond to them, that's not listening. Even if you're silent the entire time they're speaking, that's not listening. We're in a society, a culture that says, I've got to answer immediately. No, you don't. It is okay. Some of the best debaters and orators, NFL head coaches, pick your favorite person that's got to talk in front of a microphone. When they get asked a question, one of the common things that you hear is, wow, that's a really great question. Why do they say that? Because they're thinking. They're buying time to think. It is okay for a little bit of silence so that you listened to what they said and then started to think. Because oftentimes, if you don't do that, you miss what they actually said. And now there's just more anger on both sides. The very first thing you need to do if you're going to be a doer of the Word of God is to listen to the people around you. And more importantly, to the Holy Spirit and what God is telling you from this book. Listen, first and foremost. We're going to jump to number two because we spent a lot of time on number one. And those other two things are pretty self-explanatory that I wrote underneath there. Number two, look and remember. Look and remember. It is of vital importance that you know who you are. One of the issues that I had as my parents and I were talking about where passions lie and what we should be doing and all this kind of stuff was, I said, I feel like so many people have an expectation of who I am supposed to be and God didn't make me that person. I wish that he did, 
but he didn't. And my parents went, well, stop worrying about that and be who you are. That doesn't mean you don't improve upon yourself, but be who God made you to be. It is important that you know who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, your faults, where your, your, your sin struggles lie, your hiccups, all of it, your talents, your gifts, all of it. See, a lot of times we think in order to be humble, and he talks about humility a little early in this, we think to be humble, we've got to say, well, you know, I'm not that good a singer. At the risk of sounding arrogant, I think I'm a pretty decent singer. I think my wife is better than me, but I think I'm a pretty decent singer. It would be a sin of me to say, I'm not a good speaker. Why is it a sin? Because God gave me an ability to speak, and I'm lying. However, as much as I know about my strengths, I also need to know about my weaknesses. I am a horrible bookkeeper and administrator. I'm bad at it. I've not been given those skills. That's okay, because he gave other people those skills. So I let them do it. But the fact of the matter is that it is okay to know, not okay, it is needed to know who you are, where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. He talks about it's when you go to a mirror, right? I looked in the mirror this morning because originally I had this button. And I, I had a button that I'm looking at and I go, all right, it looks all right. But sometimes, hang, sometimes when it's buttoned, when it's buttoned, see, I'm standing up straight and I'm sucking in a little bit right, because I've got to look proper. But if I turn to the side and I just kind of slouch, it no longer looks nearly as good, right? So I came over and when mom got here, I said, should I button this or not? And she goes, it depends on how cool you want to be. And I was like, well, first off, I'm not cool. I've never been cool in my life, but whatever. So it's unbuttoned now. But I remembered what I looked like standing in the mirror going like this. Shouldn't have had the extra slice of pizza every time I've had pizza. But the Bible says you need to look in the mirror and know what you look like. It's not just a physical thing, right? Although that's important. You don't want me to come here, my hair all a mess. It's getting long for me. This is like the longest it's been since I was in high school. And I don't have a goatee right now. Why? Because as I was shaving this week, I accidentally shaved part of it off. And I went, dang it. Now I gotta shave the whole thing off and let it grow back in. But it would look really weird if I came in with a goatee except for like right here, right? You'd be like, did he look in the mirror this morning? So one of you would go, where is Maddie? Why did Maddie not grab him and be like, you gotta shave that off, right? Look in the mirror and see your faults and fix them. Know who you are. When you look in the mirror, do you say, all right, the spiritual mirror. Do you say, all right, you know what? I'm doing good. I've been doing my devotions every day. I'm spending time with God every day. Oh, but you know what I'm not doing or what I am doing? You know, I let my mind wander a little too much. And when it wanders, it wanders in areas it shouldn't be. Or, you know, I'm doing great. I'm spending a ton of time in prayer. I haven't missed church in two years. 104 consecutive weeks. Look at me. Is that the right math? 52 times two, right? Yeah. Did that off the fly. I'm doing pretty good. Meanwhile, you spend no actual time with God. Whatever it is, look in the mirror and know who you are. 
be intimately aware of yourself. Because knowing you is far more important. You knowing you is far more important than you knowing anyone else. Because you can't help somebody if you are the one who still needs all the help. And there will always be areas in your life that you need to work on. Till the day you're called home, there will be areas of your life you need to work on. Look anyway, and then don't forget. Number three on your note sheets, actual religion. How many of you have heard the phrase, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship? Have you ever heard that before? It's poppycock. Christianity is a religion. Knowing God is a relationship. Because you can be a Christian and not know him at all. So James here says, let's talk about actual religion. I'm in verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his own tongue but deceives his own heart, that man's religion is worthless. He takes it back to what he said previously. If you consider yourself religious but you don't listen and you don't know who you are and are working on the bad parts of you, your religion is worthless. Notice he doesn't say if you believe God or trust God. It's any religion. And in today's world, we have thousands of religions. And he says, listen, if you consider yourself religious, but you don't shut up and work on yourself, your religion is worthless. What is real religion? What is knowing God? Pure, undefiled religion in the sight of our God and our Father is this. To visit orphans and widows. Why orphans and widows? Because they need the most help. In that day and age... Remember that women had very, very few rights of their own outside of their husband or their father. And so if you were a widow, you really didn't have a lot. So he says, you go and visit and take care of them. And orphans, same thing. Kids didn't have rights and such. Take care of them. It's not just go and visit them for 15 minutes. It's take care of the meek. That's what this is about. Take care of the meek. And... Keep oneself unstained by the world. I like the word they used in the NIV more, and I wrote it on your note sheets there. Unpolluted. Unpolluted. Now, does that mean you shouldn't go see the latest Marvel movie that comes out or James Bond movie or Jurassic Park or whatever? Pick your favorite stuff that, that's coming out, right? Clifford the Big Red Dog, that just came out this week. There you go. Go and see it if you want to. I only know that movie came out because they were like, Eternals, which is the new Marvel movie, beat it at the box office. And I'm like, a $200 million movie with a whole bunch of big name actors somehow beat out the family movie about a giant dog. I never would have seen that coming. Wow. But the fact of the matter is, this does not mean don't live in the world. This does not mean do not engage with the people in your world. doesn't mean don't watch football, don't go to the movies, don't listen to music. That's not what it means. It means do not become the world. Do not become the world. There's a popular illustration, and I'm going to give it to you. It's not one that I've come up with, nor has it happened in my life, but that's okay. Just last night, this part is true, my wife made brownies, right? So if she made brownies and she gave them to me, and I was like, wow, these are really, these are really good, honey. What's in them? And she goes, oh, you know, some box mix. 
wow. And I added one special ingredient. You're going to love it. It's a special ingredient. I'm like, what is it? It's dog poop. It's just a little bit, though. It doesn't, it doesn't really go through the whole thing. It's just a little bit, though, right? It doesn't soil the entire batch of brownies, right? It's just a little bit. Just, just a tiny bit. You'll never know. You didn't even taste it, did you? You thought it was bitter dark chocolate. Would you throw out the whole thing of brownies? Of course you would. Because even though it's just a little bit, the entire thing is polluted and defiled. The fact of the matter is that just a little bit of sin from the world completely pollutes you. I'm not saying I love Marvel movies. I have seen every one that has come out except for Eternals to this point, And I'll probably go and see it. I love watching football. I love watching baseball. I love listening to country music. I love pretending that I drink beer and drive a tractor. Makes me feel good inside. But the fact of the matter is that you must be ever so careful about what you allow in from the world. The world is against God. It is not just, uh, you know, you do your religion. The world is against God, is against Christianity, is against what this book says. It has been since the moment Adam and Eve decided to eat an apple. And it has been and it will be until God eradicates the earth from existence and creates a new one, which it says he's going to do. The world will be against him. And as he says in John, since it's against him, it will be against us. Would you go to your enemy and be like, hey, tell me anything you want and I'll just accept it. Do anything you want and I'll just accept it. Of course not. Be careful what you allow in. Yes, when you're older, you can allow maybe a little more. Your faith is more grounded. You're stronger. Do you want to take chances? So often we want to get as close to the line as we can. Instead of saying, oh, the line's there, I'm going to go, I'm going to go that way. And you're right, people of the world are going to go, you don't watch that? How do you not watch that? I had somebody once, there was a popular show, it's done now, but there was a popular show called The Big Bang Theory. It was hilarious. I've seen some of it. It was hilarious. The whole point of it was that the nerds next door, the one nerd thought the hot girl next door was hot and wanted to have sex with her. That's essentially the plot of the entire eight-season show. Eventually, he marries her. Great job, I guess. I don't know. Penny, yeah. How do you know that? <laughs> How do I know that? <laughs> Full disclosure, when we did field days in high school, my team went as the Big Bang Gang once, so... We knew what the show was, right? But the fact of the matter is, it had a ton, I mean a ton, of sexual innuendos and jokes. And as a 16-year-old, I don't need any more sexual innuendos and jokes that I'm already making. And I was talking to a, a person who I knew was a Christian, and I uh, was a strong Christian, and I go, I don't watch it because I'm trying to protect myself. And this gentleman goes, but it's not real. You know it's not real, so what does it matter? watch the show. I did not watch the show, but my opinion of him changed a little bit. 
The fact of the matter is, why do we always try to get so close instead of running away? You got to do the right thing as much as you can. So, number four on your note sheets there. And you don't even have to write anything down. Application. Your application. Number one, whenever you do your devotions, I suggest doing this in the morning because it starts your day off with this. But whenever you spend time with God, ask God to show you who you are, the good and the bad. Now, here's the thing. How can you tell the difference between God speaking and you slash Satan speaking, right? If God is speaking, you do not leave it feeling beat to shreds. Ripped to shreds, beaten to a pulp. We'll just combine idioms. You don't leave that way. Yes, there will be things about you that you go, oh, you're right. But he is an uplifting God, and he uplifts you. If you leave feeling worse about yourself, that's not God speaking to you. It's not God speaking to you anymore. It might be true. I'm not going to stand up here and go, well, it's obviously false. No, no. It very well might be true. But it's not from God. Because God's not going to beat you up like that. There are things he beats us up about. I'm not saying you're not going to leave that conversation feeling exhausted sometimes. I am saying you won't feel like a dirty, rotten sinner because that's not who you are anymore, according to Scripture. You will know where you need to grow. He is always letting us know where we need to grow. But it's uplifting in it. It's not. It's constructive criticism, not destructive criticism. So if you feel destructive criticism, push it away and you ask God, what do you want? Who am I? Show me who I am. He'll leave you with some good stuff. He's going to leave you with some hard stuff. Secondly, after you have done that, ask God that he helps you to be the best version of yourself today that you can be and to grow so that tomorrow you can be better. You should not be the same person tomorrow that you are today. You might not fully see the change. I'm not saying that you should conquer this whole sin struggle in one day. No, no, no. Sometimes when you're building a wall, you only get one brick laid. But that brick was still laid. And over the course of time, you see that tower, that wall go up. Ask God to make yourself the best version of yourself today for what you are right now and to grow you so that tomorrow you've got one more brick on there. Let me change it because wall is not a great analogy. If you're lifting weights, eventually you'll start out for the first like week or two, you'll go from being able to lift 20 pounds to like 40 pounds and then 50, 60 pounds. You just keep going up really quick. And then you'll reach a point and you won't feel like you're gaining any muscle at all. You'll be like, I can't lift any more than I could two months ago, and I've been lifting every day. And then one day, you'll be able to lift 20 pounds than you could the day before. But you wouldn't have been able to do that if you didn't keep working. You've got to build like that. And then finally, and I don't have a practical way to help you do this. I'm just going to tell you, you need to do it. Practically, actively choose to listen before you speak. Actively choose to do it. 
You don't need to rebut. You don't need to be right all the time. I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me. Listen before you speak. Perhaps the best way to do that is if you have a partner or, or a good friend, whatever, to have them help keep you accountable. If you're married, you can say, honey, I want to listen. Please help me to listen by reminding me. If you are the person who's doing the reminding, your job is not to make them feel like an idiot. Your job is to say, hey, hang on one second. Remember to listen. Depending on your relationship with a person, sometimes you might be able to go, like my dad could look at me and go, you need to shut up. And I go, oh, yeah. But I have that relationship with my dad, right? Whatever your relationship is with that person, work in it. But actively choose to listen. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes in your life and in the relationships around you if you will listen before you speak and before you rebut. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to be doers of the word, not just mere hearers, as it says. We don't want to walk out of here having read eight, nine, you know, verses, whatever, and, and, and completely forget. We don't want to look in the mirror and forget. I'm asking that you help us to remember. Help us to listen to what other people are saying and to what your word is saying. Help us to look in the mirror and see who we are. And thank you for the good parts of us. You know, whether we're kind or generous, whether we've got whatever skills and talents we have, Father, help us to thank you for giving us those and then help us to realize the areas that you want us to work in and work on. Father, I'm asking for myself and for everyone else in this room, for the rest of today, help us to be the best version of ourselves that we have today and help us to grow so that tomorrow we're better than we are today. We praise you, Father, and it's in the name of your Son that we pray, amen and amen.